0: Let me just talk from my heart for a second. We have to learn how to share our faith. We have got to stop as believers keeping our faith to ourselves. America is turning into the most godless society in the world. We are slowly running towards not needing God at all. And there's a small little group of people God always Saves a small little group of people to restart. A a people that are not really caught up. Listen, I think this facility is awesome for a startup church. I was really happy God provided. But a group of people that don't really look at like, okay, where's the best facility? Where is the best worship team? Where is the best kids ministry? Listen, we got to find out where is the word? Listen to me. I'm just talking from my heart. Is that all right? Where is the word being preached? That's how you choose your church. Not where does my best friend go? Where I mean, that's a great you know a great thing. We're going to try to make that happen also, where you meet new friends. That's why we have e groups and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is this: Where is the word of God? Is that all right if I just talk sometimes before the message starts? Because this is very important. I don't want to just get up here and read some notes to you guys. In America especially. And I've been around the world, but I'm just going to tell you, when I travel to Africa, to Brazil, to Canada, to Cuba, all these places, I'm always sad when I come back home. Because in Africa, when we pulled up to the church, it's a, you know, a car full of ministers we're going in, we're going to train pastors and leaders. That's what we're going to do there. When we pull up, the congregation has already arrived, and I can hear sing, there's no music. I can hear singing in Look, their church is a dirt floor or a concrete floor with plastic chairs and their sound system cracks and pops and hisses. And it is terrible. And before all of that happens, there's a people that crying, And I'm telling you, crying out to God. And you know what? When I walked in, let me just tell you what happened. I walked in and I saw people circling the seats, praying for their city, praying for their family. And I don't know how desperate we have to get to stop waiting for other people to pump us up or make us get involved or, or, or get in this word. Or I don't know how desperate I have to get, but let me tell you something. There's a lot of places in Africa where it is desperate. I'm talking about desperate. I took a picture of a young man. We was crossing the border of Benin and Nigeria where that border is. I was driving across the border and there's a pile of trash about probably four or five feet high. One day, I'll have to bring my pictures in here and show. And there was a young man, probably eight, nine years old, standing on a pile of trash, kicking the trash around, and he had no clothes on. No clothes on. Homeless people in America are overweight sometimes. Cell phones, new shoes, and they're homeless people. America takes care. We have a good government system to help, and that's great. But it's not like that everywhere. And I think maybe have we gotten comfortable... And not pursue God like that. But anyway, my point is this. Excel Church, I want... Listen, I'm going to preach in a second. I want to find a... I'm not interested... Like I I want the gospel to spread to as many people as possible. But more than that... More than that... This is what's going to happen to you at this church. If you stay here... You will be the most dangerous believer in this city. Because we're going to raise leaders. We're not going to raise church members... We're going to get up here and teach the word. We're going to plug you in. We're going to help you discover your gift. You don't even sometimes you don't even know what to do for God because you don't even know your gift. Well, we're getting ready to start our accelerate. um, It's called the e-track and that's where we help you find out what has God gifted you with so you can be intentional with it. Amen. This church is not going to grow because we're just in here entertaining. It's going to grow because somebody is getting hungry to be a leader And the only way to do that is to take responsibility and get into this word and come in here and say, listen, I don't want another poem and another three fast, one slow. I know exactly what's going to happen this week. I want you leaving church and come into church going, I don't know what's going to happen this week, but God is in that place. And when you leave, I want you to go, what just happened? I'm different. I am changed. What is going on? And the power doesn't rest in my preaching. The power rests in your ability to receive. I'm preaching already, and I ain't even started preaching. The Bible says that the one who scatters the word, he scattered it, and it fell among four different types of soil, and the soil represents heart conditions. So, some of us need our heart transformed so we can hear from a father type figure because we didn't have one, and we didn't have a father type figure, or we don't have one now. So, it's hard to hear from God who identifies himself as father. It's hard to trust that. I understand. And that, has, and that has caused your heart to be a little hard towards lead, real leaders. I'm talking about real leaders, not people that stand up and tell you three stories and then that's the preaching for the day. I'm talking about leaders that want to lead you into this word, the bread of life. Break it open. Make your life just 360 in one service. I've had a lot of adversaries in my uh, Christian journey so far. And... uh and what's funny about that is, is that I didn't have as many until I started trying to be more steady in church. You know, I, I kind of went just saying, OK, I'm going I'm to change my life. I'm going to turn my life around. That's kind of one of the reasons most people go to church. You know, I got to do something new. What I'm doing is not working. Let me try that church thing. Let me try that Jesus thing. And you get in there and then what happens is at first you get so blessed by the message. You get so, I mean, God is speaking to you. You feel like it's just you and the preacher. I mean, God is just, he is hitting you right in your heart. You, the worship is just, you, you, you may not even be lifting your hands, but you feel something shifting around and changing. You say, my God, there is something going on in here. And then, after a short period of time, God blesses you, blesses you, blesses you. And then, all of a sudden, you start seeing a conflict. How many of y'all have ever gotten ready to do something incredible? You got your plans together, you wrote it down, you planned it out, you strategized, you, you said, I'm getting ready to go and do this, whatever this is for you. And as soon as you made your mind up and took the first step, all hell broke loose. Anybody ever been there? Don't it seem like... As soon as you get ready to reach out and touch what you've been dreaming about, what you've been wanting to do, what you've been trying to accomplish, don't it seem like as soon as that starts happening, that's when the kids start acting crazy? Or that's when the family starts turning on you, or that's when your best friend's like, who do you think you are now you done got saved and you can't go hang out with us no more? You start losing friends and losing people, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself sometimes sitting alone, like, wait a minute, I just wanted to go to church. <laughs> like what? I don't understand. Listen, this Elevator Enemy series, we're not going to finish it today. Wherever I stop, I'm going to stop. We're going to pick it up. The next couple of weeks, we're going to get into this. But let me give you a couple. If you're taking notes on your paper there, let me give you a couple of questions that we're going to answer and more through this. And I, and I do advise, like, when you come in, you've got to have a piece of paper and a pen because sometimes I throw out scriptures and I don't read them all, and it may not be my main text, but take those stories and go home and look them up yourself. Amen. I'm trying to create self-feeders. Right? Have you ever heard this? Well, let me ask this question. How many of y'all have been to church or raised in church? You're, you're, you're pretty familiar. Is there anybody who was this was me. Is there anybody in here you kind of like new to me? This is new. I'm doing it for the first time, or alright. Praise the Lord. And I know a couple of y'all didn't got your hand up. That's okay. Alright. Praise the Lord. That was me. That was my story. Never had done it before. And and you know what? Sometimes that is the best thing. But if you've ever been in church before, how many, how many of y'all have ever heard the phrase like this? Okay, you might switch churches. And here's one of the most popular phrases you will ever hear from people that are switching churches. Well, I'm just not getting fed there anymore. Have you ever heard that phrase? Anybody? Help me out. Okay. Let me just, let me just say something very nicely. If you're having to be fed, that's what children do. Children have to be fed church is not listen it 's okay if you 're a child today I was there but the bible says that eventually we have to move on from the simpler things and take now once I have got you on your feet I have fed you you understand a little bit then your devotional life needs to start taking care of your feeding you wake up in the morning you need to spend five or ten minutes before you go out the door you need on your drive to work you need to talk to the Lord you need to start that dialogue instead of sometimes on sunday it 's the only time we do it Amen. This is leadership talk right here. Okay. Don't get mad at me. Okay. So if you're not being fed, that's, that's a sign. If, if that's the, the, the kind of the posture you take in church, that's the sign that we're not producing self feeders. We want to, at this church, we want to produce self feeders. All right. So a couple of questions we're going to answer. So this is how we're going to do it. This series is going to open your eyes to a few things. Number one, what's the purpose of your enemy? What's the purpose of your enemy? I'm going to move through these quick. Number two, enemies unlock your potential. We're going to talk about that. Number three, the size of your enemy shows you the size of your blessing. Think about that the next time you get in a fight. Number four, what am I fighting for and why am I fighting it? Sometimes you're fighting things that you had nothing to do with. Have you ever fought a battle you had nothing to do with? Somebody else started it, you had to jump in and finish it. Now, there are things passed down from generation to generation. Your mama and daddy didn't just give you your blue, ha- blue eyes and brown hair, okay? They also passed down to you, the Bible says, generational issues. Things that get passed from generation to generation. You are born with a quick temper sometimes. Some of you are born with just, you're you're, you're a skeptic. You're always like, I don't know, I don't know. Where did that come from? It was handed down to you, generation to generation. And sometimes the devil is so scared of you that sometimes, and most of the time, he will yoke you as a child. He will pervert your outlook on life as a youngster. He will expose you to things as a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old that at the time seem innocent, but by the time you are 17, 18, you don't know how to handle relationships, you don't know how to handle money, you don't know how to handle yourself, you can't take care of you, you can't take care of anybody else, you might be having to take care of your children, it's because you are ill-equipped for the assignment God has given you, and the enemy has successfully, as a child, derailed your purpose. Because he doesn't come at you when you're 18. He comes at you when you're 4, 5. Just look at the media now. These enemies, are, they're very subtle. They're not, they're not the man that jumps out in the red jumpsuit, okay? That's, that's not the devil. The devil is very subtle. The Bible says that he was more cunning than any beast of the field. Smart. He's got thousands of years of experience against you. He knows how to work your mind to make you think that's your thoughts. Make you think, oh, I am I am, depressed. I am. You know, because he doesn't use the, the phrase, you're depressed. He likes to use the personal pronoun. He goes, I'm depressed. And he throws a thought in your mind. And then you go, I am depressed. I do feel sad. And then your feelings, the seed for your emotions is your thoughts. You think happy thoughts, you get happy feelings. You think sad thoughts, you get sad feelings. So the devil, all he has to do is just throw the little doubt. Don't believe what he's saying. Don't. And he doesn't say it. don't believe like it's another person because then you would recognize, like, who was talking to me? Right? <laughs> he would say this. He would say, I don't believe that. You thought that was your thought. You just entertained it. I'm preaching. This is, this is deeper than Sunday school. Amen? I just, about, like, destroyed all the things that most people thought that we were going to talk about in here. I like to do that. So your enemy is slick, okay? We're going to expose him. Is that all right? We're going to talk about his weapons. We're going to talk about how he's derailing you, your hold ups, your setbacks, all that stuff. You're going to break through, break free, all right? And number, I think this is number five, I think. Are enemies necessary? Do I have to have enemies? Do I have to have enemies? How God always promotes you through your battles, There are no battles you're going to fight that do not have purpose. The one thing about God, if he allows pain, it's always purposeful pain. This is the introductory message. It's going to get deeper. Say it's going to get deeper. So don't get the introduction. You got to have the foundation so we can build on this. Amen? Now, you're also going to learn how to turn every enemy into your next promotion. Isn't that awesome? Let's look at Romans 8. Praise the Lord. All right. Romans 8, verse 28. Let me show you something. Because here's the thing. When you understand why you are fighting what you're fighting, you're going to have the courage and the energy and the tenacity and the mentality to stand and fight. When you don't know why you're fighting, that's when you get discouraged. That's when you feel like, what is going on? And sometimes, and most of the time, the enemy just gets you battle fatigued, where you fight all the time. It's like everything is a fight. You don't have a peaceful day, 365 days a year. You might have two peaceful days, because it seems like your life is train wreck to train wreck or battle to battle. Sometimes the battles are big. Sometimes they're small, but they just occupy your mind all the time. Even when the big battles are gone, you got little stuff that you're always trying to put the fire out. There's, there's never a moment of peace. And when you figure out why these things are happening, you're going to be able to turn back and, and get back in, on track with God and let God fight the battle. I'm going to blow you away with what I talk about next week. I, I'm trying not to talk about it now. You're going to be amazed at what, how, to, how to stand against your enemy. All right, it's, It has nothing to do with you and your abilities either. Amen. So let me let me not open that can of worms right now. So let's talk about this. Why am I fighting? One good person to talk to uh, about fighting would be Paul. Paul had tons of opposition in the Bible. Paul was beaten. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was betrayed, abandoned. Paul had. Listen, his lifestyle. If you think you're one of those people in here that maybe I've gone too far. God can't use me. Listen, Paul was he persecuted and had Christians put to death. This was Paul's life before God knocked him off his horse and got a hold of him. But listen, Paul had all of this persecution, all of these things against him. And one thing that Paul said in Romans 8, verse 28, let's look at that real quick. If you got your Bible open or your app open, watch this. This is Paul, and he's writing to the church in Rome, and he says this to them. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. He says in verse 28, I know... I'm an expert, been through it, all of these things that are coming against you and against me, it's working for my good. So I want you to think about whatever you're battling right now and you need to think, wait, this is working for my good. I remember, you know, some of the battles that I was in. It seemed like, especially growing up, I didn't have a very good upbringing. We had, a, we had a broken home. My mom was over here. My dad was over here. They split up. We didn't have a, I didn't have a secured home growing up. And we were very poor and we were very, you know, I just did not have anybody in my life to give me structure or balance. And it seemed like my life was fight after fight after fight. I'm talking about when I was nine years old, our house burned down while we was out to eat. And my dad had just got out of prison. My house burned down on the way back home like two days after Christmas. We had just been reunited with my my father who just got out of jail. And we were trying to put the family back together and somebody burned the house down. It didn't just catch on fire. And I was, listen, I went, the rest of my brothers and sisters, they got to stay out of school the next day, but I went to school. I was the only one that went to school. Somehow I ended up staying with this, this person who was like, yeah, I guess you need to go to school today. And I was like, Okay, I had sweatpants on and some crazy-looking shoes. I do not even know what I had on. Sent me off to school. And then as I got older, fight after fight after fight after fight after fight. My whole life was a fight. Everything, I'm talking about, I was fighting for everything. I wasn't just fighting at school. I was fighting in my mind. I was fighting, why do these people abandon me? Why don't nobody want me? Why does everybody turn their back on me? Why don't I have good friends? Why don't I, it's fight after fight. I just couldn't understand why everybody else seemed like life was just going along. And then one day, I ended up in the back of a church, a giant church. It's my home church. It's a 17,000-member church. I was in the back of the church, thousands of people in the room, and I ended up in a room kind of like you today, and he started talking about the blood of Jesus. And I remember, not because I was just in such a fight at the time. As a matter of fact, at the time, I was actually going through a mental battle in my mind where I dealt with depression, anxiety, suicide, all these different things, battle after battle after battle. And then also, at the same time, I was pursuing a professional football career, because that's what I was pursuing at the time. And so I was going to my second NFL workout, and before I went there, I had started attending the church regularly, and there was a men's meeting. Let me just give you some of my story. There was a men's meeting, kind of a room, kind of like this. And this one guy, this evangelist who I don't even know, came as a visitor preacher to the men's meeting. There was probably 15 men in the room. And he stood all the men up, and he said, one of you in this room, now remember, I'm fighting all the time. He said, one of you in this room, God has chosen to become a man of God, and you're going to preach, and you're going to touch the world, the nations. And, I, and, and we, we were standing in a line. And he said, he said, here's how you know who it is. He said, one of you is pursuing a professional athletic career. Wow. <laughs> I, was, I had my head down. I'm a brand new Christian, by the way. I was like this dude is reading my mail. And I didn't move. You know, he said, he said, I want you to step forward. I was like, Oh my God. And it was kind of like my first time ever experiencing a prophetic word, meaning, meaning a, a word of knowledge in Bible in the Bible terms. If you're not familiar, it's just where God reveals to somebody something about you so that the Bible says that the prophecy is for the unbeliever so that they understand that God is real. Amen. So, if an unbeliever comes in the room right now, and I prophesy to one of you, and it's accurate, or I prophesy to them, they go like I did. Oh, God is real. How would you know this? So he said, "I want you to step forward." And I have waited. I was like, "Okay, somebody else steps up. It's not me." I wasn't thinking about being a preacher, so I, so I stepped. So nobody moved. Okay, and I was like. Oh. So I I took a step forward and he he walked by me. He came, he was kind of pacing the line. So he turned quick and he started walking back and he stopped. He said, I, he said, I knew it was you. And listen, he grabbed me. Now I wasn't the guy that you want to grab either, but he grabbed me by my face like this. And he said, and he said something to the effect of, you are going to preach with fire across the world. He said, don't ever be ashamed. And he was just like giving it to me. And I was like, (laughs) so for the, so for the next Uh, From that moment, I knew that all of the battles of my childhood made sense. See, when you discover the call of God on your life, all of your battles are going to make sense. And then you're going to get victory over because now you're going to be armed with something you didn't have before. And you're going to come through church and you're going to stop fighting the things you're fighting. And you're going to put to rest some of these devils that are bothering you now. Because it's time to stop fighting these things and figure out who am I, why am I here, and I need to get to work. I need to be intentional. I need to go figure out what it is. And as soon as that prophecy happened, I started traveling the nations. Five different nations in Africa and Brazil and Canada and all over the world and Cuba and all these other places. And I get, and I get invitations all over the world. Almost every month I get, a, I get an invitation. And we're, we, we had, and God moved us here to plant this church. And listen, on the way to plant this church, I cannot tell you how many, listen, the battles I fought just to get here and the battles I'm still fighting would wear out most people in a day. But you know how I have the, the power to stand? Because I know why he's fighting me. Do you know in your own battle, do you know, and it could be big or small, I mean, you have your own version of my story. You have your, You have your story everybody does do you know why do you know why let me show you something else amen we're going to stay in in Romans 8 kind of through this whole series because there's so much in that uh, I just can't get to it all but listen let me go uh, throw Matthew actually don't throw it up yet but get ready Matthew chapter 5 but let me let me let me load this thought in your mind first Here's what we're talking about today. Why am I fighting? Why am I fighting? Okay. You're fighting because you're called. See, when I became a Christian, I realized, hold on. Everybody's not fighting. How, how come these people seem like they got a good career, good job, good family, good benefits? How come it seems like every time I start get to get a leg up, the rug is pulled out from under me? Why does it feel like I can't break through and I'm watching all these other people go right by me? I'm going to church. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. See, it's because there is an assignment on your life. You are called according to God's purpose, which is much greater than being called to MCI or wherever you work. It's much greater than the world's calling because all they're going to do is give you a trophy, maybe put your picture on the wall somewhere, and when you die off, we will forget you in just a short period of time. But God's promises and God's works, the Bible says, last and endure forever. The things that God does, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, endure forever. And you got to understand, there's sometimes the enemy has discovered things about you that you don't know about you. And the enemy is fighting you on the level that he knows about you. But you're fighting him back on the level you think about you. See, he knows you're called. He knows you're anointed. He knows you're powerful. He knows you're a world changer. And I'm not just saying that. Literally, I had no idea. Listen, my first airplane ride ever, I thought it would be for an NFL team traveling and playing ball. But God had another plan. My first airplane ride, very first time I sat on a plane, I rode five planes to get to Kenya. On my first one. And so when somebody looked out in the crowd and said, world changers, I thought, they must be talking about him. I might be able to pull my life together, maybe, you know, get a good job. I'm just trying to get by, Pastor Mike. I'm just trying to be all right. I don't know about world changer. No, see, the devil's fighting you because you're a world changer, but you're thinking, like, I just hope I get out of this first battle that I'm in. The devil's fighting you because you got a powerful call on your life. And he knows if you ever get free and figure this out and know who you are, he's not going to have a chance. So he tries to keep you blind and keep you dumb and keep you ignorant to these facts. And that's why church is one of the hardest things to get people to come to. Because the enemy launches an attack every Saturday night to try to get you too busy, too occupied to come to the house of God in the morning. And you think I'm playing? The two hardest things to get people to do is come to church and release their treasure. The two hardest things. Why? Because if you come to church, you figure out who you are. If you release your treasure, you allow the kingdom of God to start taking care of you. And the enemy, those two things, he can't let you have. You can have a religion. That's fine. You can have that. Just don't start occupying land, taking over, and changing stuff. Amen? This is good already. I just got started. All right. Most people think they're blessed. When they start accumulating stuff, most people think they're blessed when they get to a certain car, when they buy a certain house, and it, that is a blessing. But then you you know you come to God and God, I thank you for these blessings and Lord, I thank you that I'm blessed and I hope and if somebody else gets something and before you do. You kind of God, I hope that I, I thank you for their blessing, but I kind of hope that I get my blessing pretty soon. Amen. Amen? Let me, let, me, let me just turn this whole frame of thought around and I'm going to end this on a high note today and then we're going to come back next week and take it a little further. Is this good so far? Yes. Throw up Matthew chapter 5. Watch this. This is going to mess you up. Watch this. Why are you fighting? Jesus. This is Jesus' definition of being blessed. He said this. Blessed are you when they revile you and they persecute you and they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. I couldn't believe the church folks that turned on me when God started elevating me over them. I was just coming to church faithfully, doing my thing. And you know what? When it was time to take a mission trip, we need a pastor to go. We need a man of God. We need, You know what? There was a man in the church that had been there 10 years, 10 years. And they said, and the guy came to me, he said, hey, I want to take you to to these trips, to, to these places. And then people come back, well, I don't know why you're getting to do everything. I don't know why. I don't know. Listen, listen. Blessed are you when they start talking about you and they hate you. That's when you know you're blessed. Listen, when you get stuff and start accumulating stuff, you might not even be blessed. You might just have a good job. You are blessed when you start doing God's work and people hate you. People don't want to see... This is Jesus talking. People don't want to hear that. Hold on, Pastor Mike. Can I just be blessed and everybody like me? No. As a matter of fact, there's a book out. I think T.D. Jakes wrote it. It says, I think it's called, Can You Stand to Be Blessed? What if God answers your prayer? I'm going to tell you something that's going to happen. Jesus said, uh, Peter said, God, we've given up everything to follow you. and, And Jesus turned and responded. He said, anybody that has given up houses, family, lands, any of these things, anybody who has given up anything to follow me, he said, I will pay them back a hundred times in this current life. And, and everybody's like, "Woo, a hundred times. Praise the Lord a hundred times. And then he says, with persecution, persecutions. Amen. You're going to get blessed beyond your own dreams. But can you stand in the blessing while they're throwing the stones? Can you stand... To let God bless you. And here's the reality. Most people can't stand it because as soon as they start losing their friends, they stop engaging God. Even though when they started to engage God, you realize, yeah, things do kind of start to shake sometimes. You might start to lose a friend here or there. You might start getting threats from people that you thought were your friends or whatever the case might be. But that's a sign that you're blessed. Do y'all believe what I'm saying today? Let me get the next verse. I just want to just layer this on one more time. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Not glad. Not not like, Jesus is serious. He said, look at the words he uses. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He said, give me James 1. I love preaching about this. James 1. Are y'all doing all right? He said, my brethren. That's us. I know that's a church word. The believers, my brethren. Now, let me stop right there. I feel the Holy Spirit stop me. If you're born again, this this applies to you. You're blessed when they come against you. If you're not born again, this doesn't apply to you. Watch this. Because when you step into God's calling, now you're a threat to darkness. Now you're a threat to the society plans. That the, the, you know what the enemy's plan is? To get God all the way out for men to create our own government, our own, let, let us take care of ourselves, depend on our careers, our jobs, our intellects, and then eventually push God all the way out and self-govern. Which is what Adam did in the garden. When, when Adam said, hey, I'm not going to listen to you, God, I'm going to listen to my wife, then basically what he was saying, I declare independence from my source, and I don't need that anymore. i just do it myself. And it was never supposed to be that way. For the believer, for the believer, if you are being persecuted, it's because of your calling. If you're not a believer and you feel like people are hating on you, you might just be hanging around some wrong people. It's pretty simple. See, when you're doing something for the Lord, you're going to get Resistance. Even coming to church, this is doing something for the Lord. This is not just coming, sitting in here, listening to a sermon. You are joining with us, and we are arming you. Now you're going to go back to your job, and you say, did you know that this boss that we got who gets on our nerves, Romans 13 says, every authority has been appointed over you by God to help you. What does that mean? That means even your boss you can't stand is teaching you something and going to bless you to the next level as soon as you learn how to deal with him, he might be teaching you how to be a good boss. So when you start your business, you don't act like him. And you can relate to people and treat them right. Amen. Sometimes that's why you can't stand your co-workers. But listen, he said honor him anyway. Don't let him bring you down to his level. Won't you take him and bring him up to your level? Show him honor anyway. Bless him. Bless him. Buy him something. Get him, a, get him a, a, a Starbucks gift card and say, Here, I see you drink Starbucks a lot. And he'll be like, I don't understand. I'm so mean to these people. The Bible says we overcome evil with good. Oh, right. We don't overcome evil with going in the break room like, Gary, you came, I can't believe. He said, believe? He said, He said, We're going to have to work extra. I tell you, I got my days off. And I, <laughs> that's not how we overcome. We overcome evil with good. I'm talking the truth, Anna. Yes, right. I'm talking the truth. When you hear that conversation as a believer, you need to take a U turn because and, and, I'm going to tell you something listen your enemy will allow doors to close in your face that you didn't even know that God was opening because when the bosses listen I'm a boss now okay not in, not in the slang term like literally like I'm the pastor here so I know what this is like when I'm sitting in my office and I'm saying who deserves a promotion the ones that show up late and, and, and do just enough to get by you, you, do, do you really think do you really think I'm going boy I'm going to promote them I'm not talking about any of y'all either if you're on the team. I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just throwing this out. I'm just throwing it out. Amen. Listen, y'all, have, y'all ever heard, have y'all ever heard the phrase game, recognized game? You ever heard that? Yeah. Yeah. That, means, that means honor seeks out honor. That means somebody who operates in excellence seeks out those who operate in excellence. That means I'm trying to surround myself with individuals that do it like they own it, not do it like they rent it. You understand what I'm saying? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Every battle that comes against you is an opportunity for you to go to another level. See, that's why when you get a boss, a co-worker, a family member, you should say, man, what an opportunity. Me and my wife, sometimes, y'all know, we're not perfect. We do have scuffles, okay? Disagreements. Especially when you two anointed call people, the devil's going to try to wedge something. Y'all pray for us because... Uh, let me tell you, it's, it's, we are blessed, but I'm telling you, he, he, he unloads on us sometimes. And, uh, sometimes we'll argue and she hates, she <laughs> will come back together, you know, after we argue, she'll, she'll come back and she'll be like, okay, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I'm sorry too. And, 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 and she'd be, she be like, well, you know, cause, you know, we always talk to God about it. So she said, you know, I, I was praying for you and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and this is what she hates my response. I said, you know what? I was praying for me too. She said, I hate you. You're such a good Christian. <laughs> so like I didn't say God change my wife. I said, God, teach me how to be so wise and respond to her correctly. Because I can diffuse the enemy that's trying to work through her if I can respond correctly. 90% of the promotions you're going to get in life is your responses to the situation. 90% of life is response. You can't control the other part. When it comes against you, you need to pause. How do I respond to this? Lord, what do I... Because I want to slap. And you need to walk it off. The Bible says, be angry yet without sin. Being angry is not a sin. So just go walk off. and. Okay. Holy Spirit. And look, the prayers always need to be about you. First. You first. Lord, how do I respond correctly? Because the Bible says live at peace with all men as long as it's within your means or power. So I'm trying to make peace with my enemies until they just are not wanting to make this happen. And then I say, God bless you. See you. wouldn't want to be you. All right. I'm throwing some slang in there, y'all understand it though, don't you? Praise the Lord. All right, I think. It, let me see if I got time for one more thought. Do I got time for one more thought? I'm not going to finish, but here, here's here's where we're going to end. Do y'all know the story of David in the Bible? David and Goliath. Everybody familiar? Well, David battles Goliath, and David was a shepherd boy. David is also he ended up being the king. If you want to know a little bit more about David, you can study Samuel, and this is where David, uh, his journey begins, and, and you'll see his journey from a shepherd boy who wasn't even invited to the meeting that God was looking for the next king, and David didn't even get invited to the meeting. His other brothers got invited, and David was the eighth sibling out of, out of eight, and he was left out in the field, and, and the Bible says that his dad invited everybody else, and anyway, the man of God comes in looking for uh, who God had appointed, not knowing who it was, and it turns out it ends up being the guy who's out on the field that nobody expected. Nobody expected him to ever do anything. He kind of, you know, he's the runt. He's the, he's the one that nobody expects. And David, this is what's funny. David was a nobody. And if you look at 1 Samuel 16, the Bible says that that God said, Don't look at man by their outward appearance, but look at the man by his heart. He said, You need to find the one who's got the heart. And that's the one I've anointed king. So David comes in and he says, God speaks to to the prophet and he says, that's the guy right there. So he gets anointed. First Samuel 16, it's it's, it's, um, a public display, like I told you during worship. And as soon as it's made known public, the next chapter, his enemy is revealed. God uses your enemies to take you from obscurity to even a national celebrity, so to speak. National recognition. Let's say it that way. Because... Without your enemy, you can be forgotten. Your enemy comes to give you credibility. Your enemy comes to establish you. Your enemy comes to elevate you. Your enemy comes to bring you to your highest level of performance. There's nothing like an enemy coming in the picture to get my attention focused. Because you can kind of float around casually in life, but then when there's an enemy and you get into a fight, you guys all know that when you are in a fight with something, you get focused. And sometimes God says, you know what, I I, I need to take you to another level, but I can't seem to get your attention. So I'm going to let this enemy come in and toy around with you a little bit to get your attention back on me. Sometimes people say, Pastor Mike, I'm in the fight of my life. And I just lean back and I'm like, good. (laughs) That's awesome. What do you mean that's awesome? This is going to be awesome. If you get focused, I'm telling you, you you're about to go to a level you have never seen before. As soon as your enemy as soon as your calling is revealed, your enemy will be revealed. So if, if you're walking into this thing brand new and you don't know what to do, I'm telling you. Here's the cool thing is, the enemy is revealed, but David wasn't scared for one second. And the reason why is because in his heart he knew. Wait, God delivered me from a lion. God delivered me from a bear. And he told, he told Saul, he said, just like God was faithful to deliver the lion into my hands and deliver the bear into my hands. He's going to also deliver this Philistine into my hands. In other words, David said, I know one thing's for sure because I was going to excel church and I heard what that man said. God is with me no matter my past because he knows my future. And when I accepted Jesus, God got in my corner and now I can face any enemy with confidence, knowing that this is just the escalator to the next level. This is just my elevator coming to take me up. And this is what you should be doing. You should be saying, thank you so much. I was waiting on you to arrive. Now I know I'm blessed. I know I'm going to another level because my enemy has finally showed up. You don't know what levels you're going to when you get a raise at work. That's just God blessing you. But when you're about to jump to a whole nother dimension, you are going to have a fight. Jesus also experienced this in the Bible. Listen, it's, it's funny how you don't even know about people until they've conquered their giants. Without death being overcame, without the cross being overcame, Jesus wouldn't be nearly as important. We really would be battling as like, what is the right religion? But see, Jesus, we can find Muhammad's grave. We can find Buddha's grave. People still go and worship it. It's a grave. got a dead body in it. But you can't find Jesus because he's not there. He's risen, proving that he has all authority, even over death. But until he conquered death, there might have been a debate. But that puts to rest the debate. You see, when Jesus was, listen, this is what's funny. Jesus comes and y'all know who John the Baptist is? Y'all heard of him? So Jesus comes and and John the Baptist points him out and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he comes in and he baptizes Jesus in water. Jesus comes up and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily form as a dove. And as soon as Jesus was anointed and God opened the clouds and he said, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. As soon as he said, this is my beloved son, the very next verse says or the very next chapter says that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted. I'm telling you, as soon as you are, are, are recognized and as soon as you are, are about to step into something great, as Jesus' ministry had not started yet, but he had to conquer that first level of temptation. As soon as the, they said, and here, here was the temptation, God said, you are my beloved son. And then the next chapter, the enemy comes in and says, hey, if you are who God says you are, why don't you just do this? why don't you just do that? And Jesus always responded with scripture. But see, the one word that he left out, because when God opened the clouds, he looked at Jesus, he said, this is my beloved son. But the devil's really slick because he wants us to try to perform our way into God's good graces. So So he tells Jesus, he says, if you are the son of God, he left out beloved. See, until you know I am his beloved, until you know that God is for me and God's in my corner, your enemy has an advantage over you. And I'm telling you, there was no feeling like being secured in the finished work of God in Christ. And knowing that it can't be taken, it can't be shaken, it can't be removed from me. And I can lean on it at all times, no matter my lifestyle right now, no matter my situation. I am being transformed day by day. I'm being renewed day by day. And I'm putting away old childish things day by day. And pretty soon, somebody's not going to recognize you. And some people are not going to even accept you anymore because you're just going to be a totally different person. I'm preaching. Praise the Lord. Chris, can you help me out, sir? Listen, as we finish today, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. We're gonna do, we always kind of do two things at once at the end. We're going to worship God with our giving as we leave. So envelopes are under the chairs or one close to you should be. So you can do that while I, while I finish this. I want you to think about, I'm done, but this is, what, this is the thought I want to leave with you. I want you to think about the prayers you've been praying because everybody's fighting something I can tell just by the way this series started that everybody's fighting something it might be small, it might be big, it might be, you know, there's something really that you're trying to break through to get to and, and I'm telling you, your treasures are always guarded by enemies enemies don't guard junk, they guard treasure so when it's time to walk into that new thing, believe there's going to be a little battle Here's what I want you to find out. I want you to start asking yourself: Am I praying for God to remove me from the situation? Or am I, or should I be praying, God empower me and give me victory and give me wisdom over my enemy? Because the enemy has come to take me up. And if I avoid it, I can't go up. If I choose not to fight, I can't, I can't go up. It's like the elevator comes down and it opens and you see your enemy in there and you go, to go up, I got to face this. I'll just ignore it. And that's what Christians do. We don't, we don't want to face because we think as soon as we don't see the enemy, if we, okay, if I ignore it, that means I've conquered it. But here's the reality. You can't ignore your enemy, but the moment you try to re-engage with God or re-engage your purpose, your destiny, the reason you have breath and life in your body, you have an assignment on this planet, the reason when you're coming to find that kind of stuff out, the moment you step into that, you have to face it. Or you'll forever be normal. And I'm totally against normal. I'm totally against normal. I'm totally against, look, God has great plans for you. And I don't want you to accept normal. I want you to look at whatever you—you you might have even been dodging this one since you were a kid. You might have been dodging this battle since you. I don't want to face that. I know I got that issue. I just—I just want to let it be. You might need to get God, you know, in a corner with God and say, "God, I—I realize this is not your will for me. What? I don't know how to get rid of it though. And just face that thing. Pray a different prayer." I can imagine if all of us would not pray that God would take our enemies away. But God, don't let our enemies have victory over us. God, don't let me be put to shame. Because when I fight, I'm fighting in your name. Don't let me get beaten by this enemy. That's the prayer God likes to hear. Face it. Stand in front of it. Make him show you his cards he can't defeat you and the rest of that scripture we'll talk about it some more next week if God be for you who can come against you we're going to dig into that a little bit next week go ahead and stand on your feet all over this bill let's give Jesus a hand clap